Hi guys. Hi. I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. <laughs> She's both. And this is Lost in the Woods podcast. <laughs> but did I did I say did I play the part correct? I think so. I don't know. Okay. Hi guys. I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording Lost in the Woods. Call your county 911. What is the address of your emergency? Um, I'm at Big Cypress National Preserve. Uh, we just found a dead body. Today, we are bringing you the ghost in the tent. And this story, actually, when I first heard about this, I was like, how is this even possible? It's not really a ghost, you guys, by the way. It's a guy in a tent. Really? In case, well, I mean, in case you were thinking it might actually be a ghost. Yeah. Think about the podcast you're on. Marie is too logical for ghosts. <laughs> okay, so on July 23, 2018, two day hikers from Fort Lauderdale found a yellow two-person tent in Noble's camp, which is located about 100 miles west of Miami among the saw, palmettos, and alligators of the Big Cypress National Preserve. Call your county 911. What is the address of your emergency? Um, I'm at Big Cypress National Preserve. Is that on, on Alligator Alley? It is. It was off of 75, yeah, Alligator Alley. Okay. Um, are you on the preserve, though, or are you still on the highway? No, I'm, on the, I'm in the preserve right now. I'm trying to walk out of it. Okay, yeah, because I'm, I'm using your phone here to okay, get the cool. location. Um, no problem. And what is your name? I'm Nick Horton, or Nicholas Horton. And what's the phone number you called us from? Thank you so much. And did you need the police fire medical? Uh, we just found a dead body. Okay. Are you on the trail? Yeah, I'm on the trail, and then the dead body is at the Noble, um, Camp Noble site, right at the, um, kind of at the end, but when you kind of like start to turn around to come back. I've cut a lot of procedural stuff from this phone call. But basically, dispatchers will get as much information from a caller as possible while deputies are en route to a scene. So the dispatcher asks Nicholas for information about where he parked, what he drove, who he's with, and how the battery life on his phone is. It's at 65%. And then, obviously, he'll ask more information about the body. Yeah, it's in a tent. Like, I just, like, we walk by it. And I don't know, we thought it smelled strange or something, kind of right. like in it. And it's kind of curled up. Yeah, it just it looks like one body. Okay. And what, what, do you remember the color of the tent? Um, yeah, there's only one tent out there in this whole place because we just walked the whole trail. Okay. It was like a small red and yellow and yellow. yellow. It's all yellow tent. Oh, it's an all yellow tent? Okay. Yeah. And when you did see the body, did you check on it to see if it was breathing or anything? Yeah, I mean, I didn't touch it. I looked at it. We yelled, hello, but he looked really skinny and really, um, like, I don't know, like a weird color. The dispatcher gets some more information about Nicholas and Logan's location to see what kind of vehicles deputies will need to access the campsite. They end up coming in on ATVs. Right, so we've got a lot of units on the way. Um, the units that are responding are going to give you a phone call um, and get some more information that they want to ask. Okay. All right, you. so we can go ahead and disconnect. They noted boots parked outside the tent and no movement inside. Despite the hikers calling out. Right, so even though they're calling out, trying to see if anybody's in there, nobody is responding. Be concerned. If you see boots outside a tent and no one's waking up... Uh... I know. 
one of the hikers peered into the tent and saw a man sitting upright. His body twisted, his eyes wide open. One of the hikers, Nick Horton, said his body was kind of twisted, his eyes were wide open, and he was looking right at me. So belongings were cataloged by the Collier County Sheriff's Department, including a beige shirt, green shorts, underwear, salmon, salmon hiking boots. It's a brand. Oh, I thought they meant salmon in the color. I'm like, I have literally never in my life seen a hiker with salmon-colored hiking boots. They're talking about the brand. Okay. Flip-flops, a tent, a sleeping bag, hiking poles, some food, a pack, a baseball hat, and there were two notebooks full of computer code and video game instructions. Yeah. Okay. All right. Computer code. I know some people that really like coding. Yeah. Interesting. And almost $4,000 in cash in a plastic baggie. Yeah, and this might seem a little crazy, but we have hiked with lots of people who carry cash in plastic baggies. And actually, when we were in Europe, we told one of the hikers he should really put his money in something that's not see-through. Because every time he would take it out, we could see how much money he had. Oh my God, if I was going to rob someone, I'd rob him. For sure. Who was that? So, who had the money? It was... uh. Gregory. Yeah. Gregory. Yeah. Yeah. When he pulled out to buy, I was like, although he's, Gregory is a really. Oh, tall, no one's fucking with Gregory. No one's taking Gregory's nobody's stuff. Nobody's taking him. But when you hike long distance, you have to carry cash. So $4,000 seems like a little bit much to me, honestly, and almost sounds more like somebody living out there rather yeah. than just a through hiker. Because that's a lot of money. We didn't carry like over, I've never carried anything over to like $200. I think that's exactly what we carried. We each carried $100 when we went on our yeah. our trip. And you can use debit in a lot of places on these type of trips, like where he's at in Florida. So you wouldn't need cash unless you were avoiding using your debit card. But Okay, so what they didn't find is a wallet, driver's license, credit cards, cell phone, or any type of identification. Yeah, which that's kind of a red flag. I mean, we always carry identification when we hike, but I don't know. Now, there's also no suspicion surrounding his death, and he likely died a few days before of natural causes. An autopsy is performed on July 25, 2018, by the District 20 Medical Examiner's Office. So, he was a man of 5'8 and markedly cachectic meaning that his muscle had all but wasted away. So severe weight loss. And you guys, he only weighed 83 pounds, which that is severe. Severe. And initially, many believed that this was a typo on the medical examiner's report, but it wasn't. The man's stomach was empty, and the only chemical found in his blood were ibuprofen and antihistamines. So he had taken ibuprofen, antihistamines, and hadn't eaten anything. But there was food. There was food found in his tent. So, mystery, mystery, mystery. So he had a linear mark on his abdomen thought to represent an old surgery. So we at least have one physical marker that might help identify this man. The medical examiner did not believe that he had been dead for very long, as his body was remarkably intact despite the oppressive South Florida heat. He's basically saying that the body's in too good of condition to have been dead for long because 
the heat is so extreme there that it would have no decomposed. I wish, I wish you guys could see my face right now. It would have decomposed faster than it had. Now, I guess I have a weak stomach today. His fingerprints didn't match any others in the police database. So the police expanded the search and searched multiple databases, including criminal and military, and still found no trace of the man. So in another attempt to identify the deceased hiker, investigators issued a bulletin seeking information from the public. And this is probably the post or bulletin that everybody has seen that has been passed around. And we will post pictures of it. Okay. So the bulletin included a composite sketch and said that the man was between 35 and 50. Wow, that's a large that's age a gap. Big that's a big discrepancy. Big age gap yeah. there. Had salt and pepper hair and a beard. And his teeth were actually in excellent condition. He was 5'8 and weighed just 83 pounds, like we said before, at the time that his body was discovered. So when the sheriff's department posted a sketch of the thin bearded man on Facebook, the case came to life, and many hikers came forward with pictures of the man claiming to have met him in states such as New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and atop Springer Mountain in Georgia. People knew him first as Denim, a trail name that he was given for hiking in jeans. Disgusting. Ugh. And later, as mostly harmless. These people had eaten meals with him, slept beside him in shelters, shared stories before parting ways, and dozens of photos were taken with him, many of which you can find online. I've seen a ton of them. So he's just hiking around everywhere. Yeah. Jennifer Vickers, or Obsidian, which we assume is her trail name. Yep. Which we've talked about trail names before, but do you want to go on and tell everyone what a trail name is for our new listeners or people who missed? Yeah, technically a trail name is something that you are given based on your personality or the way you hike or something distinctive about you. She knew him as Denim and spent more time on the trail with him than anyone else. They hiked southbound together on the Appalachian Trail in Virginia for about 100 miles. Wow, they hiked together for 100 miles? That's a long time. That's we a hiked long like time. 50 miles with the people that we met. Like we only did like half of. Yeah. We never hiked with anyone that long, but no. they must have gotten along well to stick together or had a very similar pace to have stuck together yeah. this long. Yeah. And they started at Blackburn Trail Center mm-hmm. together. On an interview with Adventure Journal, she laughed often when reminiscing, recalling their unlikely partnership. She was a black woman in her late 60s and he was a white man and she pegged him to be about 40. They both had bad knees and hiked slowly, and she taught him how to make fires. Some hikers gave off a bad vibe, but this was not him. Denim made her feel safe. Yeah. And this was just one of the testimonies of hikers who had claimed to hike with Denim or Mostly Harmless throughout April 2017 to when he was discovered in his tent. Now, throughout the timeline that was constructed in the 15 months leading to his death, Nearly Harmus was portrayed to be kind and gentle. So now we're going to talk a little bit about his 15-month timeline on the trail. So in April of 2017, Mostly Harmless told people along the way in New York that he had started hiking that month. And this is where his trail name Denim came from. Between October 7th and 8th, He was in Damascus, Virginia, 
where he stayed at Woodchuck Hostel. And he was stuck here for two days because of a hurricane making its way onto the trail. Casual. Yeah. A hurricane. Yeah. Just coming up on the trail. And we we did run into people who got stuck at hostels or had to stop early or things like that because of a storm that was coming in when or we were hiking. all the people with their cut up feet that came up to the hostel barefoot. Yeah. So, I mean, you do get stranded, stuck. Weather does affect things. So, yeah. From November 22nd through the 26th, Mostly Harmless checked into Top of Georgia Hostel and Hiking Center in Hiawassee, Georgia, under the name of Ben Billamy, which was more than likely an alias since hikers were not allowed to check in under their trail names. It is not uncommon in the hiking community for hikers to use aliases and never give their real names. He checked out the next day, since it was a holiday, but returned the following day to stay until the 26th. Right before he left, he bought that two-person tent that he would later be found in. Okay, so a picture was taken on December 2nd by hikers in Blairsville, Georgia, at a mountain crossing, holding a newly purchased map, which these hikers posted to their Facebook page. Yep. And according to the worker that sold him the maps, he paid in cash, so there's no way to track down any information on the man who bought them. On December 4th, a comment with the picture of Mostly Harmless standing atop the mountain was posted. Cool. So it kind of sounds like, oh, look, he made it to his destination. Like a picture was posted. Yeah. Comments from hikers claiming to have stayed in Springer Mountain shelter described him as a really sweet guy. And others would say, I'm glad I got to meet him. I just wish he would have told me his name. I'm really sad to see him go. Basically, they post this picture of the guy who they found in the tent, a sketch, and then they kind of figure out who he is, right? This denim guy, this mostly harmless guy, and then people start posting in the comments pictures of him and where he was. Okay, okay. Like this one, Marty McGuire posted, he made it to Springer, I was there on a day hike yesterday. So Marty had been on a day hike, run into Mostly Harmless Mm -hmm. at the top of Springer and taken a picture of him. Now, on December 29, a man took a picture of Mostly Harmless when they met at Salem Church Road, which is the first road crossing on the Penalty South on the Alabama and Georgia state line. On January 24, in Crestview, Florida, Kelly Fairbanks was the first person to match the composite sketch to a hiker that she had met in Florida. She is a trail angel on the trail and recognized him as mostly harmless. As soon as I seen it, I knew who it was. I immediately messaged Collier County Sheriff with a picture. Mostly harmless is seen standing with a sticker that says FT through hiker, which was given to him by Kelly. He told Kelly that he had started his journey in New York and that he was heading down to Key West. When she asked him, If he was using the Florida Trail Guide app, he said no because he didn't have a phone since he was wanting to disconnect. He pulled out a piece of paper with a map of Florida on it and a drawn line where the trail should be. Kelly said she was worried about Mostly Harmless because he seemed new to hiking, not having a phone, and carrying an unnecessarily enormous tent were rookie mistakes. He also declined her offer to a shower and a place to stay. So if you don't know what trail angels are, they're just basically normal people who help through hikers. Mm -hmm. So 
they bring snacks and food. Sometimes they open their houses or RVs for showers, things like that. I ran into a lot of them when I did Wonderland because you come across a couple campsites and people who camp there camp there every year. They have like their favorite spots. They go back every year. It's a huge campground. And a lot of them enjoy chatting with the through hikers. They bring food. They bring beer. Like they just come and hang out, bring you fresh fruit, stuff like that. So fresh fruit is amazing when you're through hiking because it's too heavy to carry Mm -hmm. on a normal hike. And when you look at the picture of him, I mean, his pack does look a little large, but not excessively so. And he looks happy. Looks like he's happy to be out there. All that. So on February 22nd in Monticello, Florida, two women were hiking on the FT when they encountered Mostly Harmless. They were walking down 98 and entered into the Asula Wildlife Management Area down a flooded trail when they came up on him walking southbound. So they said he was doing the trail without GPS or even a detailed map. So they exchanged trail information, making sure to go into greater detail than they usually do to help out as best as they could. The hikers mentioned that they were surprised that he'd gotten so far without GPS or a detailed map because they both had issues on the route, even with GPS positioned in hand. Yeah, which... Some people have a better sense of direction. I definitely prefer to have GPS with me when I hike, but a lot of people are able to navigate without it. But we also know that a lot of those people get lost, so... Pick and choose. Pick your poison. Mm -hmm. Okay, so on February 24th, a camper at Pine Log State Forest said that she met Mostly Harmless at the Sand Pond Campground. She said that he told her that he had been staying with his sister in Sarasota, or Fort Myers, Florida, area before starting the trail. Yeah, I think she couldn't remember which one he had said. Okay. She said that he told her about working in the tech field. He also told her that he had some health issues and needed slash wanted to do the trip while he still could. Yeah. And it is believed that the story about staying with his sister in Florida is actually false. And we know that he started out in New York and hiked the AT all the way to the FT. The FT. So those Florida cities are not part of the trail and are completely out of the way that he Hmm. mentions. So if he did go there, now on March 17 near Paisley, Florida, someone else met him on the trail. It was only about four months before he would be discovered. And the hiker said that he was looking thin but nowhere near 83 pounds. Mostly Harmless seemed to be in good spirits at the time, and he seemed to be enjoying his hike. He again mentioned that he was from, or at least started, in New York. The hiker took a picture of him also noticing his clothes in this picture and the Collier County scene pictures. I think this was the exact outfit that he was found in. So we'll post this picture, but he's wearing these like green, bright green yellow. I, I would say yellow. I would say green. Maddie thinks yellow. Shorts and They're a khaki yellow. and a khaki shirt. He's wearing a baseball cap. So it does look like the description of what he's wearing later on. So Mike, trail name Waterboy, took two photos of Mostly Harmless. Which we actually couldn't find anywhere, but they are mentioned in an article. Okay. He took these photos on April 15th, 2018, 
on the side of the road a few miles north of Noble's camp. He may have been the last person to see Mostly Harmless alive. Yeah. In Waterboy's photos, Mostly Harmless is not smiling. And he was smiling in most of the other photos. Yeah, he looks happy in pretty much everything until you get to Mm -hmm. the description of these guys' photos, even though we couldn't find them. Interesting. His face is tan, his beard is short again, and it is well over 80 degrees that day, and Mostly Harmless is carrying a pack that weighed more than 50 pounds. That's a big pack, yeah. He told Waterboy that he was still carrying his winter clothes. To which he offered to send them back home for him once he arrived at his destination, but mostly Harmless declined. Which that's actually like a super like solid thing to try to help him out with, but he wanted to keep carrying them, I guess. He described him as a quiet, polite guy who asked for nothing But he did readily accept bottles of Gatorade and frozen water. Remember, it's very hot out. It's more than 80 degrees. And 99 days later and 10 miles away is where hikers would find Mostly Harmless dead in his tent. So this is the last known sighting that we Mm -hmm. have of him. Somebody else could have seen him in that time frame. But he only made it 10 miles. Yeah. And 99 days days is a long time for 10 miles. So I'm thinking he must have been injured or sick in his tent. So then we're back to July 23rd, where Mostly Harmless was found deceased in his tent by two hikers. Nicholas Horton and Logan Buell are the two that found him. So he would remain unidentified for two years. Which is crazy with well, all these photos of him yeah. everywhere. Considering how many people interacted with this man on the trail, how many people he talked to, mm-hmm. this is crazy. And that's what initially intrigued me about this case is that when I first heard about it, I think it, it had been like a year after he went missing or a year mm-hmm. after he was found. And they still didn't know who he was. Now... Investigators were unable to connect him with any missing person reports or existing fingerprints or DNA databases. So media in Florida and New York picked up the story in 2018, but it gained the most traction on Facebook and online communities dedicated to unsolved cases. In the years since the discovery was made, the life and death of Mostly Harmless have captured the imagination of many, A sleuth of online communities poured over the details of his time on the trail and desperately attempted to connect the dots. The Collier County Sheriff's Department even released a podcast to try to bring more attention to this case. Which, brilliant. Why don't more police departments do that? That is a great idea. Okay, investigators released the images of the notebooks filled with coding and hope that someone in the community would understand the code or recognize anything that may provide a lead. This notebook also contained ideas for a video game named Scrapes, which is an online strategy game for programmers, by the way. So a group focused on digital forensics went through the accounts of every possible user that's been on Scrape up until April of 2017. The date Mostly Harmless had given to other hikers when he'd begin his journey. Right. So they're basically looking like, 
maybe this guy was on that program before he started his hike. So that's the dates that they're focusing on. Yeah. Okay. They had their eyes on one specific account. Vahor? I have no idea. Vahor? Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Nearly two years after his death, the timeline of Mostly Harmless's last 14 months is still full of unknowns. No one reported seeing him in Tennessee or North Carolina, and only a few people remember him on the Pinto Trail in Alabama. He told a hiker in Florida that he had skipped the Alabama Trail in Pensacola with some girls. He told this man, like many others, that he intended to end his trip in Key West. So if he skipped the Alabama Trail to hang out with some girls, it's possible that he could have skipped the other portions where there aren't sightings of him as well, Mm -hmm. is the thought. Now, no one knows whether he made it to Key West and was returning north when something went wrong or if he got sick in Noble's camp and hunkered down too weak to move, which is what I tend to believe a little more. But there is a lot of unaccounted for days. Mm-hmm. But nobody saw him past there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Despite his extreme weight loss, he had food with him when he died. He may have had some sort of mental breakdown. He may have chosen to stay there alone in that tent to die of inanition, basically meaning losing the will to live. So basically like just gone into his tent and chosen to die, like chosen not to eat or do anything. To survive. Who is this? So, who is this man that traveled south from the Appalachian Trail from New York to where he met his demise in Florida? He met hundreds of people, charming them all. He told people that he was from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That's a cool fucking name. That he worked in tech in New York. We live in an age of constant surveillance and digital connection to each other. Yet this man has somehow managed to escape the digital dragnet. His fingerprints and zero database, no dental records, no results when facial recognition software was used by authorities. Nothing. Authorities in Collier County, Florida were stumped. They were certain the death was of natural causes and there was no foul play. And this man must have been smart. Yeah, he must have been smart. Look at all his coding notebooks. Yeah. And he appeared to be kind to everyone that he met. Yeah. So I think for a lot of people, it was easy to assume that this man had a gentle past. His life a mystery packed inside of a tragedy. Thousands of people on social media created groups dedicated to discovering his identity. They sourced missing person databases. They posted pictures of anything that they could use as information. Everyone wanted to believe that this man was who they thought he would be. He was trying to escape society or someone or maybe a diagnosis, like could he have been sick, I think was a theory for a while. Yeah. Efforts including isotope analysts were brought in to study the hiker's teeth in hopes that clues could be discovered about where he lived. A genomics company by the name of Orthra had taken his DNA and started to do cutting edge genetic analysis to identify him. Collier County sent them bone fragments in order for this company to search in databases for genetic similarities in order to build a tree of potential relatives. With this technology, they discovered his Cajun roots, hence his origins from Louisiana. So it appears that he was being honest about that. Mm -hmm. 
They also identified relatives with the last name Rodriguez. A reporter from Wired who covered a large portion of this case bought Facebook ads and placed them on his personal page to promote his story. And he wrote his story in the region of Louisiana where he thought relatives were likely to have lived. And then in middle December of 2020, nearly two and a half years from the discovery of his dead body, photographs of mostly harmless found their way to a group of friends in Baton Rouge, one of whom called the Collier County Sheriff's Office. Now, this friend asked to be referred to by their middle name of Marie, and she told detectives that she knew who the hiker was. The sheriff's office has received hundreds of bad tips, but this one actually seemed to be real. Marie said she recognized the face and she knew all about the scar. The handwriting was familiar to her and the coding style as well. So DNA from identified relatives due to the efforts were obtained and compared to those of Mostly Harmless. A match was identified with his mother, Today, I'm pleased to announce that after more than two years, thanks to the great work of our detectives, tips from the public, and the use of DNA technology, we now know the identity of the deceased hiker who went by the trail name Mostly Harmless. Although an autopsy did not indicate foul play in his death, our detectives worked tirelessly to identify him. I'd like to thank our detectives for their dedication to this investigation. I'd also like to thank the public for their interest in this case and for circulating the information that ultimately helped us identify him. We now had a name, Vance Rodriguez, which aka is also the Vejar screen name that they suspected might belong to Mostly Harmless Mm -hmm. from the coding game. He was born in February of 1976 near Baton Rouge. He had a twin sister and an older brother, and he told his friends over the years that his father had deeply hurt him, but no one seemed clear on exactly how. When he was 15, according to friends, Rodriguez headed off into a field with a gun, intending to kill himself. Yeah, you guys, he fired this gun into his stomach, and while he lay there bleeding to death, He had a change of heart and decided he wanted to live. He raised his hands in an effort to flag down a passing truck who saw him and pulled over. And the surgeries that followed were the cause of that scar Mm, that he had. So it sounds like he might have some mental demons as well. Mm -hmm. So at 17, with consent of his parents, Rodriguez was emancipated by a Lafayette, Louisiana court. Marie, the one who called in with the major tip... Which isn't her name anyway, but yeah. yeah. Who lived with him as a friend for several years in his 20s. She said he was angry that his parents had him institutionalized after his near suicide. The family was attempted to be contacted by the Wired journalist responsible for solving the case, but to no avail. His sister wrote back, my family has no comment. Yeah, I mean, I imagine this has to be so hard, right? Like, We've all been on this two and a half year roller coaster trying to identify this guy and everybody wants to hear from the family, but they're just hearing that their family member died. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not really interested in being a part of the story and I can't really fault them for that. No. He went to school at the University of Southwestern Louisiana, 
which is now the University of Louisiana, by the way. He, shockingly, was a computer nerd. Crazy. A good friend he met in the computer lab by the name of Randall Godso. Cool name. They became roommates and were friends for years. He remembered him to play video games for 18 hours a day and shutting everything else out. He would go through huge bouts of depression. He would go a year without smiling or being nice to people. He was described as moody and emotionally unstable his whole life. But Godso needed a roommate and a friend, and they got along fairly well. Godso did add that he doesn't remember Rodriguez ever showing any interest in spending time in the wild. Outside was between the car and the building for him, he said. Interesting. Which, I mean, it sounds like he's a gamer, but maybe maybe that's why he felt like he needed to disconnect mm-hmm. and try something new. And it sounds like he was a very pleasant person on the trail, so maybe that's exactly what he needed. Yeah. I mean, up until the point where he crawled in his tent to die, but I don't know. Despite Rodriguez being identified, there was still mystery surrounding the case. For instance, both parents and siblings are still alive, yet no one in the family has responded for any comment, nothing, saying nothing at all. And I'm assuming they didn't report him missing. Well, he. Pro- it sounds like he left, went away for college, and never came back. Well, but at some point he disappeared from college, too. Like, nobody... And maybe his missing persons report just didn't come up because he was so far away, but they were unable to match him to any missing persons report, but maybe they weren't looking in the right place. Maybe he was never reported missing. I know. Okay, so a woman that Rodriguez lived with in the Brooklyn apartment he abandoned prior to his journey said that the efforts to identify mostly harmless were misguided. There was a reason no one reported him missing, said Randall, his former roommate and classmate. Yeah, so interviews with former friends like Randall and co-workers from Louisiana paint a picture of Rodriguez as intelligent yet troubled, who often struggled with personal relationships, particularly his family. So friends did report that he had frequent outages or depressive episodes. So the thought is maybe he ran into one of these while he was out Mm -hmm. in the Florida swamp. But it's funny because... He's reported to have never been the type for outdoors or long-distance walking. I mean, people did describe him as they thought he was new to hiking. Yeah. Now, nature did seem to work on him, though. He made a trip to the Harmon State Park, and after this, started an epic journey that lasted more than a year. Because remember, he bought his tent while out there. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think that when he left home, for whatever reason he did leave home, that this was his intention. Mm -hmm. But it seemed to do well for him. Photos of Mostly Harmless, he seems healthy and happy. And people who knew him said that they couldn't remember him smiling so much. Because he is. He's smiling in, like, all of these pictures. Yes, all the pictures. Most of what Mostly Harmless told other hikers along the trail was true. Like how he lived in Baton Rouge. He lived and worked there for many years before his move to New York. Rodriguez was smart, very into computers, And didn't have a lot of friends. I think that he faced some very impossible monsters internally. Quoted an ex-girlfriend by the name of Tuggy. Tuggy? She also said in his self-isolation only added to that. Yeah, and ex-girlfriends interviewed also described a pattern of abuse and emotional instability. So 
he would often detach from his problems by shutting down emotionally and physically. And during his time in Baton Rouge, Rodriguez started a relationship that would last for five years, but it ended quite badly. When it was over, the woman he dated wrote on her Facebook page, apartment 950 a month, bills 300 a month, standing up to a monster that beat you up emotionally and physically for five years. Priceless. I mean, that's a little damning. After Rodriguez was identified as the hiker, the woman's mother commented on Facebook, this man was so abusive to my daughter, he changed her. Now, none of this, as far as I could find, is confirmed in police reports or anything like that. Okay. Rodriguez moved to New York City in 2013. There he met another woman who we will call Kay. So it is concerning to me that none of his ex-girlfriends or people who are coming forward want Want to be be identified. Identified. Want to be known. I do find that a little strange. That is a little... I've never seen this many in a case. Like, first one, I was like, okay, whatever. Second one, eh, third one. Yeah. Now, Kay asked for anonymity because of the public obsession with this case, which could explain why a lot of people don't want to be named. Yeah, yeah. She was finishing college in upstate New York, but they traveled back and forth to visit each other. As the relationship evolved, they moved in together in the city. He had spent his entire life in Louisiana and welcomed the change of the city. At first, she claimed that he was romantic and sweet, but soon he started to clam up and shut her out. If something upset him, he would stop talking to me completely, which can be very lonely when you share a 500-square-foot space, she said. Rodriguez would continue to work remotely for a company called Shopper's Choice for about a year, and then he quit and lived off of his savings. He and Kay went out maybe once a month, with Kay suggesting they travel together, only for him to respond that he didn't need to go anywhere because he could easily look at pictures online. Hmm. The dreary relationship worsened, Kate recalls. He did open up to me about previous women that he knew and how he treated them. They should have been red flags. But she stayed with him despite it. On a Saturday night in September of 2016, Kay was injured in the terrorist attacks on West 23rd Street in Manhattan. She said, I had pretty bad PTSD, to which he hated caring for me. Even kept a dated log of every time I needed help. And she did say at one point that he had locked her out of the apartment during an argument, and she had just gotten out of the shower and didn't have any clothes on. Oh, no. No. I know. He left me outside in the dark, knowing that at the time... I couldn't be outside alone or in the dark without panicking. This was only the light stuff, she adds. So around this time, according to Kay, Rodriguez threatened her if she ever left him, which terrified her due to his skill and intelligence. Right, like in other words, thinking that he could probably get away with harming her. So she moved out that winter. Rodriguez reached out to his former roommate, Randall, Who remembers worrying that Rodriguez would commit suicide? So it seems that he left in a hurry. When his landlord had opened the door to his apartment eight months later, he found unopened food along with passport, wallet, and credit cards. So he literally just left Left. all of his stuff in his apartment and took off. So we're basically left with two questions. Why did Mostly Harmless walk into the woods? And why, when things started to go wrong, did he not walk out? 
Because remember, it appears that there's nothing physically wrong with him. So if he started to have a mental breakdown, why didn't he leave or go for help? Probably because he was having a mental breakdown. But Rodriguez's friends have a theory about the second question. The timeline of his last few months is unclear, but he appeared to have been stuck and starving when hikers stumbled upon his tent. He only weighed 83 pounds, but he had money. He had food, and there was a major highway just a few miles away. Maybe his inexperience had caught up to him. Maybe he was outmatched by bugs, heat, humidity. His friends suggest that it is more likely that he had one last major outage, like an episode. I think that he was having an episode, went to the woods, then was just like hiking out there. Started to feel better. Started to feel better. Started to realize that he was having a good time out there. Let it go. Kept going. Was having a good time. And then finally, like, caught up to him. And he had another, like, just like a bad mental breakdown. He was already weak. Because you lose a lot of weight when doing through hikes like that. Like, he would have lost, I would say, probably majority of his weight just naturally with hiking. Right. And maybe he didn't realize that it was affecting his mental state as well. And then when his mental state was... At its lowest, his body was already weak enough that it was just really easy for him to fall into. Yeah. Well, and Kay did say, I know that when he had to deal with anything, he would just lay down and go to sleep. She said, I feel like that's what happened. He liked to ignore problems and sleep until they were gone. The other question is, why did he go into the woods to begin with? And we kind of have a theory about that, right? Like was having an episode, maybe went in there to die or something, and then just kind of started to feel better. Mm -hmm. Well, and he went into the woods. He didn't take a phone. He wanted to unplug or disappear. We don't Mm -hmm. know which one. And then I really do think that it just went sideways from there. Yeah. Now, although the reality of the case may not have been what the thousands of people coming together to find this man had hoped for, No. The mystery of Mostly Harmless captivated and inspired thousands of people. It inspired a group that has committed itself to trying to solve other cold cases. It brought some new attention to genealogical analysis, and it reminded everybody that it is still possible to disappear. It's hard not to look at this story with anything but sadness, though. I mean, uh, Yeah, it just sounds like he struggled with mental illness for a really long time. This was a boy who had raised his hand to a passing truck for help after shooting himself in the stomach, but yet let himself die in a Florida swamp. Also, I feel like he was able to disappear because nobody was looking for him. Adventure Journal did a story on this, and they said, A man was harmed and maybe harmful, and then he went into the woods and became mostly harmless. Which I feel like really he did change. Yeah. Also, I feel like it's really ironic that his name was mostly harmless. That's what I mean. It's crazy that he lived his life a certain way. And I don't think that a lot of people would have described him as harmless. And yet that's what he became. I would imagine that with his issues and him going out to the woods and him getting these names, this new identity, he was able to recreate himself out there 100 percent. like even his friends his old roommates they all said that he wasn't like like his smile like that wasn't him yeah on one hand i'm really happy that this 
from all appearances, sad man was able to go into the woods and recreate himself and mm-hmm. become happy, if even for a short time. But I think we'll never know what really happened to him in the end. No. I mean, he had a journal with him. I'm sad that he didn't journal anything. He was just coding. But yeah, that was the story of Mostly Harmless, which if you are on any kind of hiker or backpacker site, you have definitely probably seen his post. But uh, yeah, pretty crazy story. Yeah. And thank you, Christina Oliveras, for research on this case. And there wasn't a ton of sources on this case. I know Adventure Journal did a really good story on it. Uh, Weird.com had some great stuff, Strange Outdoors, but there's not a ton of other information. So hopefully we gave you enough in this story. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Um, Go check out our merchandise. Go follow us on social media at Lost in the Woods Podcast if you don't already do that. The link to all our merch or anything you could literally ever want to do with this podcast is in our bio on Instagram. Yeah. And I try to post it on the episodes as well, but sometimes it doesn't get there. Don't do it. (laughs) But uh, we'll do it on this one. We'll do it on this one. Yeah. So thanks, you guys, for tuning in. We really appreciate you and we will talk to you soon all right thanks guys or you can go check out patreon and go binge watch binge listen i guess you're not really watching anything (laughs) of everything we have on patreon there's so much stuff on there there's hiking with hannah there's bunker talks which is our unedited opinion on every case yeah great yeah so go check it out guys and oh there's also lots of bonus episodes yeah so thanks so much you guys and we will see you soon bye surprise i know it's kind of what you're here for i think you know that i don't know why we say that i would hope so it's like working at any fast food place and you take the order hi welcome to wherever yeah it's like why do we do that i don't know well one time i I, that was my initial when i first started working at starbucks hi welcome to starbucks what can i get started for you and one of my coworkers looks at me and goes you know they know they're at starbucks (laughs) although i worked at a starbucks once and we were right next door to a quiznos and more than once, we had people come through yeah. our drive through thinking that it was a Quiznos drive through same, same at my store, though, but it was McDonald's. And I don't know how, how they happens. got it mixed up know. because the drive throughs they feed through the same way of each building. Yeah. They're yeah. not opposites, so, like, they're, I don't yeah. know. It's super weird. But someone, can I get a Coke and large fry? Can I get a large Coke and f- a large fry? No, you may not. No, ma'am. Hold on, let me walk next door and order that for you. I'll be right back. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's really sore because I got headbutted by a dog and pushed my septum like gross. Straight up into my nose. Mm -hmm. So like I can't wipe my nose. And I got to the point where with my septum it's like healed enough that I could wipe my nose before and now I can't wipe my nose. Mm -hmm. So now I'm just in this really uncomfortable, like padding tissues on the on my nose type Mm -hmm. of lovely. Okay. To Maddie's piercings. Where we drama. talk about piercing drama. The fact that I have too much metal in my face. Or the fact that she had to redo her second nose piercing and it's still, it's still crooked. It's still not right. It's still, it's my, it just keeps migrating to the wrong place and I hate it, but it's fine because it looks better than it did before, but it still doesn't look that good. I literally, every time she looks in the mirror, I have to hear about how uneven her nose piercing No one are. else notices. It's just me. It's only me that ever notices.
Well, Every time I bring it up, people are like, you can't even tell. And I'm like, I can tell. I know. It haunts me. This is my life, you guys. Okay. I would not want to sleep in a yellow tent. Why? The color yellow like gives me anxiety. I wouldn't want to sleep in a yellow tent. Uh, I don't know if that's normal. I'd wake up in the morning and the sun would be shining through the yellow tent and it'd just be so overwhelming. All right. Hanging over my head. No yellow tents for Maddie, just I guess. Just this overwhelming yellow. Okay. Oh my god. Don't look. Ah! <sighs> my god. Sorry, I didn't mean to. It's fine. I didn't mean it's to. It's fine. It's I didn't mean to assault you with that picture. I just got assaulted with autopsy photos. It's actually a photo of him in his tent. My eyes, his rib cage. Why is it like that? Don't look. <gasps> That was an accident. I didn't mean to. Usually I don't show Maddie these pictures, but I'm sorry, Maddie. I've seen them a few times, but today is not one of the days I want to see autopsy oh, photos. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. I think the worst one was when we did the Love Pass. Oh, my we God. we decided that we could handle the autopsy photos, and no, we were that, wrong. I could handle some autopsy photos before that. After looking at all, all of those autopsy photos, I'm scarred nope. for life, and I... Have such little interest Never in seeing again. any other autopsy Never photos. again. Never again. Yeah. It, this isn't an autopsy. This is actually him in his tent. Okay, sorry. I I'm just sorry. looked at photos of a dead body. I'm sorry. Dead body on your fucking computer screen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's fine. You didn't mean to do it. It wasn't on purpose. <laughs> okay. I forget that not everybody can handle the same amount of... Today I can't. I Today can. I cannot. I, know. I, know. I can't today. Okay. 